Each of the family members and friends is very appreciative of your attendance here today. To give thanks with us for the life and the testimony of Mr. Dennis Ballack, to express your sympathy to the family and assure them of your thoughts and your prayers at this time. And so to a sister Patricia and her husband William, to brother David and his wife Margaret, their children Nicola and Richard, brother Peter and his wife Karen, Peter's two boys, Keith and Mark, and all the extended family circle and friends, we extend our deepest sympathy today and assure you of our prayers. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. It's his word and his promise alone that brings consolation, also challenge to us on such occasions as this. We're turning to the order of service today to the opening hymn, Standing on the Promises of Christ our King. And I know that Dennis chose these hymns, and in choosing this one, he was certainly not anticipating that we were going to be morbid today but uh, rather joyful. So, I hope uh, you all know the hymn, and we'll sing it out, please. Standing in the promises of Christ our King through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Oh, 
be seated. We'll bow together in prayer, commit our way unto the Lord today. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we come into Thy presence, and we thank Thee that we can do as the hymn has been telling us here to do, that we can stand upon Thy promises. We have no other foundation on which to stand. We thank Thee that our Savior said, Thy word is truth. And we come on that basis, and we come with that confidence today that the word that we bring is a word that has been given by God to men. We thank the Lord for the revelation of Thyself unto us. Uh, thou hast pointed us in the way that we should walk, into the ways of pleasantness and into the paths of peace, ones where we find consolation and comfort, indeed in days such as this. And so in a time of heartbreak, a time of loss, a time when we mourn and lament, we thank Thee that we can come to Thy Word and find there is an answer here, and there is a Savior who walks with us every bit as much as He did on that road to Emmaus back after the days of the crucifixion. And those two disconsolate disciples were walking home. They were full of morbidity on that occasion. They were comparing notes, and the notes were pessimistic ones. Their world had fallen apart. Everything that they had trusted in had crumbled to dust. It appeared at their feet. And yet we find that the risen Christ that would change everything for them, He Himself, the Bible tells us, drew near and walked with them. And Lord, we pray for the family today that thou wilt come near, that thou wilt walk with them, that thou wilt be their portion, that thou wilt make them aware of thy presence, of thy power. We thank thee, Lord, for the life and testimony that Dennis leaves. We thank thee for the stalwart status that he had in the church here. We praise thee for his fortitude when sickness came, and we know that that visited him many, many years ago. And yet we salute the bravery with which he faced that. We thank the Lord for the endurance that he showed and the graciousness that he displayed all by thy help from day one right until the time of his passing. And now that we come to think of his promotion to glory, his home calling to heaven, we pray that thy hand will be upon us for good and that thou wilt help us in the midst of our loss. So draw near to be with us, and may thy word be of great consolation and of supreme benefit as we walk in the way that the psalmist talked about, the valley of the shadow of death. And we know that even there in the most dire of circumstances, thou canst provide a table in our wilderness, and thou canst cause our cup to overflow with thy blessing and with thy help. And so we are pleading for that today. We pray for each member of the family that they will know thy nearness and the arms of thy care wrapped round about them and those everlasting uh, arms of strength, lifting them up, bearing them, and carrying them at this time. We pray in Jesus' name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Turning now in the Word of God to the book of Isaiah, and just a short passage, and it would have been the last one that I read with Dennis in the Mater Hospital. 
It says, and we read in part here, And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered, and there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which He hath bestowed on them according to His mercies and according to the multitude of His loving kindnesses. For He said, Surely they are My people. So He was their Savior. In all their affliction, He was afflicted, and the angel of His presence saved them. In His love and in His pity, He redeemed them, and He bare them, and carried them all the days of old. Amen. We know the Lord will add His blessing onto the reading of His Word today. I'd like to thank in Patricia, uh, in particular Patricia here and also Billy for providing what material I'm now going to bring to you in terms of a tribute to Dennis. Dennis was born to Charlie and Stella Ballack on the 25th of January 1948 in the family home on Sandhurst Gardens. Dennis was their third and, as it turned out, their middle child. Patricia and David had been born before him. Peter and Adrian were born later, though sadly, Adrian survived only several months. They were a close and loving family. Growing up, Dennis attended Stranmillis Primary School and Botanic Primary School, and though I'm told he was blessed with an almost photographic memory, his sister Pat told me if he looked at it, he would have remembered it. But he chose when to press that memory into service and when to disable it. For example, when the children were practicing their catechisms and Bible verses, before going off to Sunday school in the family church, the Crescent Presbyterian Church, his mom Stella said, Dennis, I haven't heard you rhyming off anything. Dennis simply replied, I haven't. And sure enough, he proved that he did. But when it came to the 11 plus, and Dennis came back home from sitting the test, and when his mother interrogated him and asked him how he'd got on, he simply replied, oh, I didn't answer some of those old questions. She was rather annoyed, and she pressed him. Why didn't you answer all the questions? Don't you know it's necessary to do that? Why didn't you work hard for this? And he replied, if I'd passed the 11 plus, you'd have made me become a school teacher. Now, he certainly had the ability for that job, but definitely not the inclination. Instead, his sights were focused on cars. So, off to Orangefield Secondary School he went, followed by night school at the Tech, where he studied what he wanted to study, motor engineering, and those for him were happy times. He progressed to spend most of his working life as a mechanic, serving a number of haulage companies, including Anderson's Haulage. That took him all over the country, fixing broken-down lorries. Mind you, he seemed to have stumbled on a secret that was hidden from all the other mechanics in his era. 
The Balak boys all sported curly hair, but their sister had no curls. And envious, she asked Dennis how she could have them. And he told her, you just lift the bonnet, put your head under it, and you'll get curly hair. She didn't take his advice. Understandably, driving was a particular passion for him. Whether that was taking those regular trips when he brought the car over to the Isle of Man and toured around there with the family, or touring the country here, and most will know that he had that little mini car adapted so that he could drive it after one of his legs was amputated. And he was generally driving about in search of a good eating house to sample their Ulster fries. That favorite cafe down in Donica D, AJ's in Cross Gar, all washed down wherever he was with his safe staple Pepsi Max. Now, Dennis had other interests in addition to cars. He was a bit of a DIY enthusiast, and I'm told he took apart and rebuilt much of the interior of his home in Sandhurst Gardens. He didn't have quite the same scope when he moved to Dean Crook's fold on the Newtonards Road, but he didn't feel for lack of effort. The electric socket that he really needed behind his chair, but which was actually on the other side of the wall. Undeterred by the thought, I'm living in rented accommodation, he drilled a hole straight through the wall, cut a larger hole to allow the socket to be relocated, and it was only after persuasion that he consented to bring in an electrician to make the necessary connections. Music was another interest. Good music, he would have insisted. And so he got his diet of classical music from Scala and Classic FM, and of course, enjoyed plenty of gospel music too. What most may not know is that Dennis learned to play the fiddle. I wish I had known that and was also proficient on the bagpipes. He was a very talented swimmer. One person who observed Dennis and his mother Stella swimming commented that they were beautiful to watch going through the water. And on Saturdays, crosswords were a favorite pastime. Back in the day when there were no Google search engines, if he or his friend who was helping him with the crosswords regularly, George Doggart, if they couldn't turn up an answer, George would say, ring the oracle. And Patricia was the designated oracle, who along with her husband Billy had a big library of reference books. Now, I was assuming, though not told, that that may later have translated into, Alexa, what's the answer? But Alexa was good at playing tunes and even turning his fan on and off. But I'm not so sure that she would have been specializing in crossword clues. Speaking of technology, at a time when Dennis wasn't computer literate, he was still one of the first people to buy one. However, it turned out to be a poor quality machine. I feel his pain. I bought one myself and it was just a box of junk. It kept failing on him, and on the rare occasions when it did work, it was dead slow and stopped, so eventually Dennis 
allowed it to see the bottom of the bin. His interest in computers was reignited when he came to the fold. There he attended computer classes run by a Portuguese man called Bruno, and it was Bruno who installed the Alexa system for him. Ill health brought Dennis' career to a close. It was approximately 40 years ago when diabetes started to manifest itself. In time, he lost toes, his lower right leg. I saw it all. Every time I went to hospital, something else had been amputated. I was treated to look at the wounds and to examine them. And though he ended up with only two toes left on the left foot and was wearing an artificial leg, still his bravery and buoyant spirit shone through. The staff in Musgrave Park were flabbergasted with his rate of progress. He walked so well when he was in the Adelaide nursing home that people had no clue which leg was which. And those in the family have likened him to the World War II spit-fired hero Douglas Bader because no matter what came his way, due to this illness and other illnesses, he never gave up. Dennis was always popular. The list of contacts on his mobile phone are eloquent testimony to that. He was popular in Stranmillis, where he lived, popular when he went to the Dean Crook's fold, they called him Dr. Dennis in that fold. He would have tended to the wounded there because he had experience, including the occasion when a lady gashed her knee and Dennis went, retrieved and applied a bandage for that wound. He was popular with members and friends in this Martyrs Memorial Church. And here he faithfully attended all the services was a generous contributor to all parts of the work, including missionary causes, joined the outreach team, served on the church committee, and was a prominent prayer warrior. Some can remember with fondness the times when he and Noel Stevenson, out in the Philippines now, would have occupied the back room in our Sandy Row Hall, and they would have had extended sessions of prayer there. And when he couldn't attend the church here in person, then sermon audio, courtesy, I think, again of Alexa, would have received many visits from Dennis as he tuned in to the preaching from this house. I received over the years numerous messages of encouragement from him, telling me how much he had enjoyed the services, assuring me, and this for me was vital, that I was much in his prayers. This time last year, 14th of November 2021, hello Dr. Brown, that was a great remembrance service, and the gospel message was delivered very simply and with power. I was greatly encouraged. Just before that, October of 2021, Hello, Dr. Brown, it's good to see you well and in the pulpit again. That was another great message with liberty and delivery. You are always on my prayer list, and with the names of other of God's people several times a day. Prayer is a wonderful gift of God, instant contact with Him. He will never leave us or forsake us. 
Then this year, hello, Dr. Brown, sorry I missed you when you called. I'm in with fluid on my lungs caused by the heart failure. I also need blood transfusions. Other than that, I am okay. The Lord is most gracious to me. His mercies are new every morning. God bless you and your ministry for Him. It's a priceless privilege to be called to preach the everlasting Word. I think it stands to sense that I will miss those kind of messages, and I will miss even more his prayers. Dennis kept smiling and expecting and thinking of food. Even in his final stay in hospital, he was telling Patricia, when I get home again, we'll all go for a big picnic somewhere. She reminded him, it's winter. Well, we'll wait for the summer then. And now he's gone home to that city which has, in Revelation 21, 23, we're told, no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God lightens it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. I'm going to ask Mrs. Helen McGill to come and to sing to us now, please.
Thank Helen for singing to us. And now it's our turn to sing again. And that is the second hymn in the order of service Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress midst flaming worlds. In these are red, with joy shall I lift up my head. Normally we have two hymns at a funeral service today. By Dennis' request, we have three. I think actually he had four in as well. Was that not the case? He had four, and uh, Helen has sung uh, one of those, so he was determined he was going to get us to sing, and uh, sing well today, and there's no harm in that. We'll stand as we sing the second hymn, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness.
seated. Turning to the Word today for our message, the Word of God, the Bible, and one verse, and we find it in 1 Corinthians 2 and the verse 9. Paul is writing and he says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. In terms of splendor and magnificence, nothing in our modern world that we see today could match the ancient city of Corinth, standing as it did on a narrow piece of land, washed by seas on either side. The one sea would have been bringing in the commerce from Europe, the other the commerce out of Asia. And this city with a magnificent burden of columns and statues and towers and temples, showcasing as it did the beauties of classic sculpture and architecture, current for all who would come along and visit the place would have taken their breath away. So whenever Paul wrote the words of our text here in 1 Corinthians, a letter to the church in that sitting, he wasn't addressing a squad of rough, common rustics, men and women who had never seen anything grand. These men he knew had spent their whole lives surrounded by the sounds of the best music, looking at the most beautiful pictures and sculpture and architecture and all of that Corinthian brass that had been molded and shaped into their chariot wheels and their towers and their gateways. And yet he says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. In effect, he's saying to them, you Corinthians think that this is a splendid city, and it is. And you imagine, you've heard all the sweet sounds, and you've seen all the beautiful sights, but I tell you, all you've ever heard and seen is but as nothing in comparison to what I'm telling you about. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. What's he saying? He's saying this, heaven far surpasses anything we've ever seen or known on this earth. And so my first main comment is that while we live in this world, we can get only the faintest of faint ideas of the splendors of heaven. John the Apostle, exiled onto the Isle of Patmos for his faith in Christ, he tried his best to describe them, and under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, the words are these. The twelve gates, he says, are twelve pearls. The street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And then again, he begins to sketch more detail. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. We read of that in Revelation 21, the verse 21. Dennis often spoke to me about heaven. In fact, he was keen to discuss with not just me, but anybody else that he could discuss it with, anything that he'd been reading in the Holy Bible, the Word of God. 
And he spent time in this book of Revelation. And so as we come alongside John here, and we're kind of looking over his shoulder and getting a view through his telescope here, we see a blaze of amethyst, and pearl, and emerald, and sardonyx, and sapphire. We have a mountain of light here, a cataract of color, a sea of glass, and a city like the sun. But John says, you haven't seen it all. Look again. And as we look again, we see thrones, thrones of the prophets, thrones of the patriarchs, thrones of the angels, thrones of the apostles, thrones of the martyrs, and best of all, in central to all, the throne of Jesus, the throne of God. John says, look again. And on his command, we do look again. What do we see? The great procession of the redeemed passing. Christ Jesus leading the march, and all the armies of salvation following in behind. Cavalcade passing, ages following ages. Europe and Asia and Africa, Australia, North and South America passing into line. Generations before the flood coming, uh, those generations after the flood as well. And as Jesus rises at the head of this great host, and he waves his sword to signal final victory, all crimes are lifted, all flags are unfurled, and all chimes ring, and all hallelujahs are chanted out, and all cry, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Every house is a palace, every step a triumph, every meal a banquet, every stroke from the tower like a wedding bell, every day a jubilee, and every moment an ecstasy, which is why Paul says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard. Down here, little idea of the splendor of heaven. And again, while we're here on this earth, we can get little idea of the society of heaven. That's the second thing, the society of heaven. The Daily Mail told the story of two pairs of childhood sweethearts. They contacted them, set up a stage whereby they had a meal together for them, and they were bringing them back to reminisce over the past events in their lives. They'd live lived separate and different lives for 20 and 26 years, respectively. Now, none of the four persons regretted the lives that they had lived, nor the partners that they had eventually married, but they were delighted at the same time to meet up with one another again and muse over the old times and everything that had happened in between. What will our joy be like? After we have passed over the sea of death to meet in the bright city of heaven those from whom we have been long parted for Dennis, Adrian, and others. Oh, what a meeting, the hymn writer said, there in the skies. No tears nor crying shall dim our eyes. Loved ones united eternally. Oh, what a daybreak that morn shall be. Say, you and I have been separated from friends for maybe 10 or 15 years or whatever, and then we come upon them, and we haven't seen any of them in the interim, and we notice the changes, and sometimes we can't control our tongue, and we'll say, ah, you've changed. But when we stand before God's throne, all anxieties wiped away, all marks of sorrow erased, all of those lost teeth and lost hair replaced, and feeling the joy of that blessed land, I think we'll say to each other, in terms of exultation that we can't even now imagine how you've changed, and that change will be for the better. In this world, we only meet to part 
That's the reality. It is goodbye, goodbye. We hear it at the harbor. We hear it at the airport, the goodbye. Sometimes we can say it in a light way, goodbye, and other times anguish is weighing and breaking the soul under the weight of this particularly painful goodbye, but not so in heaven. Welcomes in the air, welcomes at the gates, welcomes in the house of many mansions, and no goodbyes. One by one, our seats are emptied. One by one, we go away, and soon all of us who are saved by Christ will be over. How many of your loved ones have already entered this blessed place? It's graves here, it's coffins here, it's hearses here. A little child's mother died, and they were trying to comfort that child in the best way they could think of. And so they told her, your mother has gone to heaven, don't cry. And the next day, they took her along to the graveyard, and they led the body of the mother down into the ground. And the little girl came up to the edge of the grave, and peering in at the coffin of her mother, lowered down into that hole in the ground, she said, confused, is this heaven? I imagine when a soul arrives in heaven, some angel takes it shows it the wonders of the blessed place. That usher angel says to the newly arrived, these are the martyrs who perished at the stakes in England and Scotland and all over Europe. Here are the ones who were torn to pieces in the Inquisition. Here's the throne of the great Jehovah, Jesus himself, to stand in his presence. That will be heaven. To put her hand in the hand that was wounded for us on the cross to mingle with all the groups of the redeemed and shake hands with prophets and apostles and martyrs and with our own dear loved ones. This will be a tremendous reunion. We cannot fully imagine it now. Our loved ones today seem so far away. When we're in trouble, when we're lonely, when we want to compare notes with them again, check something out with them, they have the best advice, they know the best way to do this. They don't come to us. Unbelief whispers. They're dead. They will never live again. But we have a Bible that tells us differently. We open it. We find they're certainly not annihilated. They never were so much alive as they are now. And they're only waiting for our coming and that we will join them on the other side of the river. Fabulous reunion. We cannot grasp it now. That's why Paul says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And so I say again, in this world, we can get no idea of the splendor, the society, or the song of heaven. The song of heaven. In the Battle of Waterloo, by 1815, the Scots Highlanders were giving way, and Wellington discovered there's a problem here, not just with giving way, but I think I know the reason that I can stir those soldiers again, the bands of music. He discovered it stopped playing, so he sent a dispatch telling them to play with the greatest fervor you can muster, a battle march. And the music started, and the Highlanders rallied, and boldly they charged on until they secured the victory. We can appreciate the power of martial music. 
And for me, there's nothing more inspiring than a full congregation lifted up in the way of, of some sacred song. And when we sing some of those dear old tunes that maybe we have known from our mother's knee would be the expression, and they're way back there in our memories. Mother sang them, dad sang them, maybe grandfather and grandmother and brothers and sisters, many of those who were gone now, but we remember them singing. Amazing grace. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. What we've just sung, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. I stand amazed in the presence. And it seems as if one country meeting house is joined to another country meeting house until the whole continent is filling up with the doxology here. When generals come back victoriously from war, we tend to cheer them enthusiastically. We have a victory parade. And when Jesus passes along in the conquest of earth, for the Bible tells us, He will, He shall reign. Shall we not have for Him one ringing, loud cheer? All heal the power of Jesus' name. Let the angels prostrate fall. Bring forth that royal diadem and crown Him Lord of all. But if music here on earth is sweet, what will it be in heaven? David on his harp will be there. Gabriel on the trumpet will be there. Germany redeemed will pour its deep guttural bass voice into the song of salvation. And Africa will add to the music with her inimitable voices. I wish even now we could anticipate that kind of singing. God grant that through the rich mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of us, without exception, may get there. There is only one way, and it's not my way. It's not your way. It's nothing to do with my or your efforts or my or your supposed goodness, for we're all full of sin. We can do nothing to earn the favor of God, but it is by the way that is pointed out in this book. Jesus said, John 14 in the verse 6, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only Savior, now and forever. Through Him alone, God is revealed. Through Him alone, heaven is revealed. Someday, my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon that will be. But this I know. My all in all has now a place in heaven for me. Some day, when fades the golden sun beneath that rosy-tinted west, my blessed Lord shall say, Well done, and I shall enter into rest. And I shall see Him face to face. And tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see Him face to face. And tell the story saved by grace. And seeing Him I'll be instantly reminded of what I've read today. Paul's words to those in Corinth, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now we see through a glass, darkly, then face to face. We'll turn to our final hymn, which is 335 in the book, not that we need a number when we've got the 
A little sheet today, the order of service. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Let's stand together again as we sing. Heavenly Father, we call upon Thy name today, and we pray that I will be near each one of Dennis' family and all the friends. We ask that Thy word will be of consolation and comfort to our hearts, that it will challenge us because we recognize, Lord, we always, all of us, need to be challenged. And so we ask that Thy truth will come with warmth and even with warning unto our hearts this day, and may each of us come to know Dennis' Savior. 
as our own and personal Savior and Lord, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.